In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Today we've heard about a man who has abundance, yet is also anxious. It's very curious, this mix of abundance, yet he's anxious about the many blessings that he has. That he, the fact that he has such an abundant crop has caused him to become anxious about what he's going to do with everything that he has been given. What is he supposed to do? This motive, this way of talking to ourselves, actually, if we speak, if we, if, let me put it more in modern terms, we often ask ourselves, how am I going to set up my week? What's tomorrow going to look like? What's a month from now going to look like? How am I going to plan for the next season? How are my investments doing? What will 2024 look like? Will it be a boom or will it be a bust for myself? What's couched in here is how am I going to make myself comfortable? How am I going to thrive then? I, 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 all over the place. We speak to ourselves often in these sort of echo chambers, and we have this given to us in the parable by Christ. And this is the heart of the parable. Just before this is a series of parables where Christ says that the things that you whisper into the ear in the inner chambers, God knows. So it's this talking to ourselves, the things that we don't verbalize often or only in the privacy of our homes or to our significant others or to our close friends. This is the heart of what Christ is getting at in this parable. To be sure, he's speaking of material goods as well, but there's something underneath that as well. The man says to himself, soul, what should I do? Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down this barn and I'll build a bigger one to be able to store everything. But he never gives a thought to any thanksgiving to God's providence. And the rich man only pays attention to keeping an abundance of food and drink and shelter. Perhaps we could add to the list many other things. So what are we to do? What is it that we actually take away from this gospel? What are the cures to this anxiousness about the abundance, the anxiousness about the future? The first cure that's pointed out by Christ himself, if we look at it properly, is that his soul will be required of him. Tonight, they will require your soul. In this is the remembrance of death the remembrance to live as if our days are short, that they are not endless. What does this do to our soul? It wakes us up and to be able to realize what is truly important. And it's like a wake-up call to remember that our days are short. And this alone begins to shake us out of that and begin to see that it's not just I, 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 but that there's God who is providing things for us. This is one of the first fruits of the remembrance of death. This man, the rich man, St. Theophilac says, embodied several different things. He didn't have life of his own. His only reference was himself, so he was an egoist. And that his soul became fleshly, difficult to separate from the body. This is why he says, that it will be required of him. It's not going to be freely given over 
to the, the life after the body. And so it will be demanded of him and required of him. And so he will experience death as a harshness. And so he even says that truly it is a night when the soul of such a sinner, those who are caught in this abundance and anxiety, is demanded. It is a night that is darkened by the love of wealth and to whom the light of divine knowledge cannot penetrate and death overtakes him. But this is not the only way. Those who are righteous, those who are able to get past this, and we'll get to that, they will experience this life as an easy burden to lay aside. That they will commit their souls into the hands of God, the Father of spirits, and he does so with joy and gladness. So you have two different possibilities, one of joy and gladness, and one fighting tooth and nail against it, tooth and nail against the inevitability. The choice of grief at death or the choice of joy in, in the God the Father, God the Father of spirits. He can be their Lord. So this is what the man being negligent over what God has given him had to face. That night he experienced death as a scary thing. But we can have a daily death as the church fathers say in a kind of funny way that we can die before we die so that when we do die in the body that we'll be alive in Christ. The person who yields hourly to the remembrance of death as a reminder that my time is short will experience death as something free from fear but rather as the gift of God and he who has died to all things remembers death hourly in this way. What is the second cure? So we have this sort of way of waking ourselves up, but we have what the gospel ends with, that we should be rich towards God. It gives us, being rich toward God will give us the means to free our soul from avariceness, from greed, from this abundance, wanting to tear down our barns and build more, to have more comfort, more riches, and the anxiety that follows that in our heart. So how do we do this? How are we rich towards God? by practicing thankfulness first and foremost for his providence. We spoke about this a little last night, so some of this may be a repeat for some of you. We don't speak of what is my goods, but rather what are the good things of God that he is giving me. It's the inverse of that rich man's self-talk. So what am I to do? But rather, instead, we are addressing it as a prayer to God. God, thank you for what you have given. What do you have for me to do with it? What do we do in our daily lives to be able to practice this? We can get up in the morning and thank God for waking up. We can review our day and say, what is it, God, that you are giving me? Thank you for the sunshine that's here or the rain that has come, for the various things of creation, for the family, for, for the good things that you have given me, that breakfast is on the table, a roof is over my head. These when we begin our day with these things, it sets us off on the right foot and begins to have us invest in God rather than invest in the things of the earth. And in that, there is this relationship that is born with God. He promises that when we thank Him, He will give us abundant gifts. And then if we thank Him for those abundant gifts, He'll give us more. It's this wonderful relationship where He promises 
that if we are but thankful, he will entrust us with more. So recall the favors of God towards you. Make a list, even review it often, or memorize a list of the things that God has given you, and review it daily. St. Theophan tells us that in order to cultivate thankfulness, this is a good practice to do. And then he has this to say, that if you do this, if you recall daily the thanksgiving to God, the things to be thankful for, the things that God has provided for you, he says, you will not be able to refrain from singing your thanksgiving to God. Not only being able to recite them, but you'll want to burst out in song about them, which indeed is what we do in the liturgy. We give thanks to him in song for everything that he has already done for us, for the salvation that he has won for us on the cross, for the resurrection, for his providence daily, for him giving himself in the body and blood that we partake of. We give thanks for these things, and we do so in song. And then we also have the practical matter. Once our hearts are healed, once we're able to give thanks for the things that God has done for us, we give with joy to those. Almsgiving, which is central to this fasting season. The poor and needy are called the storehouses of God. And indeed, if we look at some other parables, we are feeding God. When we look at Matthew 25, when did we clothe, when did we feed you? And he says, when the least of these... This is when you fed me. So the rich man made the mistake of only talking to himself and only thinking of where on earth can I invest more and have some future that he believed he was promised but was not given to him. But if he had given thanks to God for it, God would have shown him how to use those abundant gifts properly. This takes a sense of trust in God that if we care for his commandments, his will and his desires, we are emptying ourselves and giving everything away, that we, entrust, we think of them as God's gifts, so they're not just our own. God promises that we won't lack anything. We'll have everything necessary for ourselves. So God is the treasury of good things. And if we take from that treasury and, and are entrusted to it as good stewards, he will give us abundance. St. Basil the Great has, speaking of this homily, uh, has a homily on this very parable. And he exhorts the people to take care of their brothers and sisters in this act of thankfulness. That if you don't do so, then you will be like that rich man whose soul will be required of him. And instead of a joyful death, of one that unites and is part of our journey toward Christ, it rather ends it, ends our ability to join him. He ends his homily with this, and I'll end mine as well with it. Whomsoever you could have helped and did not, to so many have you been unjust. I have spoken to you as best I could, he says. For you who respond, the blessing are ready that were promised to you. For you who do not respond, the sentence is already written. And I pray earnestly that reflecting on this bitter counsel that I am giving you, you may escape those penalties, that your riches may become instead the price of your redemption, that you also may attain to those heavenly good things. May we wake up to this reality that is presented to us, and in this fasting season, may we take that up and give thanks to God 
and ask for the healing of our hearts that we may have gratitude toward him in all things and in all circumstances and that we are able to take care of our brothers as an act of joy and thanksgiving. To Jesus Christ be the glory. Amen.